Welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I'm your host, Dave, and I hope that the new dehumidifier that is now running in a section of our house where we have never before in the last 15 years had, excuse me, 14 years, 14 years, had a dehumidifier running but where Mrs. Troublemaker now insists that if this loud chugging dehumidifier is not running at all times, it smells funny. 14 years, not a problem. All of a sudden now we have to run this thing like constantly. And look, I could have turned it off, but it's down this like weird corridor in the phantom zone that I would have to move some boxes and open the door. Like I think that she put it there knowing that I am often going to be too tired or lazy to go in there and turn it off to do whatever it is I need to do. And since I've got my headset, and since I usually have a fan running that you can't even hear when I'm recording, I, I hope that this this throbbing machine uh, will not detract from your enjoyment of this introduction. Where I've got, I've got a few things I want to cover. I have... The first two items under news, even though they're not really news, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna put them in the official news section. Oh, and by the way, uh, I am in day two. I have a new work schedule. This is also not news. It is news, but it's really just me news. Uh, I have a new work schedule. I am in the. I just finished the second twelve hour day of five twelve hour days in a row. That is my new norm. Uh, my new work schedule is five days on, two days off, two days on, five days off. Which is great and and not so great at the same time because the five 12-hour shifts in a row is absolute hell, especially with some of the stuff that's going on right now at work. But then the five days off is obviously super. Everybody would love to have five days off. Uh, every two weeks, obviously. Uh, the advantage of this and the reason that I'm thrilled about it is that it lets me stay on day shifts and hopefully never, ever, ever work another night shift ever again for the rest of my life because I hate night shifts. So that's good news. But after day two, I'm a little, I'm a little tired. I would like nothing more right now than to say, welcome to turtle talk with chris and dave here you go and just throw it over to the conversation that i had with our pal chris de patrillo from figures toy company whose last name i always feel like i'm mispronouncing and i apologize if i am but i don't think i am uh we go back and look at the original teenage mutant ninja turtles toy line we do not get nearly as in-depth as as we have with some other toy lines here on the show Uh, I tried to make it a little bit more focused because I wanted to leave it open for future Ninja Turtle episodes. But we we had a great conversation. We had a lot of fun talking about turtles. We learned some things. Uh, 
And in the end, I think we were both better people. So you should enjoy this, uh, listen to it, and, and at the end you'll be a better person as well. But before we get to Turtle Talk with Chris and Dave, uh, I want to say you need to go and subscribe, please, to the Needless Things YouTube channel. I'm doing stuff over there. I've I've have so far been putting up two look, they're toy reviews, right? They're what I've been doing for the past 11 years, whether in written form or whatever. Uh, they're toy reviews. But YouTube and social media really love the word unboxing. So even though it goes against the very fiber grain of my being to use a, a buzzword like that, I really do want to try and get a little bit of traction with this because I enjoy doing these the way that I do them. Uh, so I am using the the term needless unboxing, much as it grates on my nerves. Uh, so since I am doing this for you, the people, free of charge, by the way, I think that you should go to the Needless Things YouTube channel. You should subscribe and you should share. Get, just pick one out. Pick one out that you like. It's, it's, and, and just share it once. Just once. I'm not asking you to go on every single social media outlet you have. Uh, just, oh, I like this review of the G.I. Joe sunglasses. I like this review of Baron Benz and the Aquaticons from Mezco's 112 Collective. I like this Rhino Alien review. Oh, look at these Holy Grail unboxings that Dave did. This is interesting. Some cool vintage toys, which, by the way, new Holy Grail unboxing uh, coming very... I don't want to say next week because I'm putting... I'm. This one is going to be the biggest effort that I've put forth in these videos. So it's very important. Like, you don't even understand. This is like the holy grail i think i don't know there's probably other stuff that would blow i don't know no this is probably the most special certainly the most expensive toy purchase uh i've ever made well no that's not true that's not true it's still not quite as much as the sail barge but it's up there uh but anyway it's very special i want to make it very special so i want to take my time and make sure i do it just right um not that I don't do that with the other videos, but they're a little easier to put together. This one's going to require a few more elements uh, than I usually have in those. But but anyway, that's coming. Please, Needless Things YouTube channel. Go subscribe. Go tell your friends. Also, join the Needless Things podcast Facebook group where I've been popping in from time to time and doing uh, some, some live unboxing or, or whatever else. Uh, just with with the different schedule that I've had lately, I've been a little more vo motivated to just out of the blue do something like that. And I think it's a lot of fun. And, and sometimes people watch, and uh, sometimes they don't, but it's there. And I don't think I'm going to transfer any of that stuff. I, I put a couple up on YouTube. I don't think it translates very well, so I'm probably going to keep that stuff in the Facebook group. So please go join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group. Uh, answer the three questions. If you don't answer the three questions, I'm not going to let you in. It's, it's the end of it. They're very simple. They're a little whimsical, but also serious at the same time. But if you don't answer them, 
you don't get in the group because it means you don't have a sense of humor or any kind of self-awareness whatsoever. And we can't have that in the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group. All right. Now that all that's out of the way, it is time for some news. Okay. The first news is there's a Prince book that I didn't even know about. And honestly, I used to be more on top of books. I'm not. I'm just not. I have no excuse. I'm just not. Uh, but I was in Target on the way home today because I had to get some stuff for work. And, of course, I went back to the collectibles section because I have to check and see what they've got. And, uh, oh, by, which, by the way, and I hate to throw this in the news. This is conversational, but what are you going to do? I bought the new uh, NACA Annabelle figure that looks incredible. I was going to do an unboxing, but I gave it to Mrs. Troublemaker, and she just opened it right up. And because I wasn't, I'd gotten home from work and wasn't. I was tired. I wasn't thinking, and so I was like, "Okay, well, there, there you go. It's open. We're fine." Uh, but it's a great looking figure, but not as great looking as this beautiful book called "The Beautiful Ones" uh, by Prince. And I'm honestly, I'm not even sure what it is. It's heavy as heck. I can't believe like it's not thick, really, but it's super heavy. It's one of the densest books I've ever picked up. It appears to be modeled somewhat after the Beastie Boys book. Um, there are a lot of handwritten notes in here. There's uh, some uh, some text. There's a lot of pictures uh, of Prince when he was very young. It seems like it's biographical, but it, it's a very classy, well-put-together, neat book. And uh, is this Storyboards from Purple Rain? Wouldn't that be cool if that's what this is? No, I don't. This might be storyboards from a video. What is this? Um, I don't know. I don't know. The, the, a lot of this stuff isn't labeled. A lot of it's very just sort of thrown. I don't want to say thrown in here because it's obviously all very planned. But like, it's it's a very interesting volume. So next time you're in a bookstore, oh well, look, there's the picture of Prince in the g-string, just hanging out, having a cup of <laughs> it looks like milk, milk in a soda cup. Oh, man, I love that guy. I miss him. Uh, so anyway, yeah, go buy Prince, The Beautiful Ones. It looks incredible, and it's a must-have for any fan of music, art, and Prince, obviously. Uh, okay, so that's out there. That's good news. Uh, more news. Uh, Doctor Who news, which I don't often delve into anymore. I've just kind of... I still love classic Who. I still love a lot of you know what has happened in the modern world, but it, I've just kind of gotten away from it a little bit. But great Doctor Who news: David Tennant and Tom Baker are doing an audio story together, uh, where they team up to take on who else? The Daleks. It's called Out of Time. Uh, I do not know when it's coming out, but I'm pretty excited about that. I haven't bought an audio story in in quite some time. Well, oh gosh, what was the last one I got? It was really good. It was one of it was one to do with the Cybermen, and it was great. I can't remember exactly what it was, but anyway, uh, keep an eye out for that. That's that's great news. I cannot wait to hear Tennant and Baker interacting in that way. Uh, and then finally, Hasbro Pulse and Big Bad Toy Store and Entertainment Earth, all the toy stores you know and love, have the pre-orders up for all the new Star Wars Black Series figures, which includes re-releases of all of the Rebels figures thus far. A new release of Zeb, who who we've been waiting years for. He looks incredible. He's a deluxe figure. He's bigger. He's got uh, his his staff rifle thing. 
Uh, and then also tons of other Black Series figures. I The only other ones I pre-ordered were the Mandalorian and his Beskar armor and Admiral Akbar because I love Admiral Akbar and I have... I couldn't even, I, I certainly wouldn't say I have one of every, but I have a lot of Admiral Akbar figures because I just love him. Uh, so, yeah, check out wherever toys are sold. Oh, and they're also, this was big news, they're also re releasing the Ahsoka figure as part of that sort of Rebels wave, I guess it is. Uh, and that is an incredible figure, and a lot of people missed out on it. So, go ahead and pre order that one. I was surprised. The first one to sell out was the Mandalorian. Um,. Everything else was still in stock as of this recording, so just keep an eye out for that stuff. And I believe that it's, I mean, it's light. We all know what's going on now. So that's all the news. Okay, so I love Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, I've talked about Ninja Turtles a lot. We did the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie for this month's Needless Commentary. If you haven't listened to it yet, you should go listen to it. It's great. We had fun. Uh, I got into Turtles in 88 when the toy line launched. And I would have to really sit down and do some hard thinking to remember where the cartoon, the toy line, and the comics fell for me. I'm pretty sure the toy line was first. But... I just, I love the franchise, and this toy line, if you listened to last week's episode, I went through my personal toy timeline, and it just, it's a landmark line for me. Like, if I had to, if, if I could open the toy museum that people have been telling me for years that I have here in the Phantom Zone, uh, there would absolutely be wings for... Mego, Star Wars, G.I. Joe, Ninja Turtles, uh, Toy Biz X-Men, and then Power of the Force 2. I mean, I would have to include that because that's what really kicked my serious collecting back into gear. Uh, but anyway, today we're talking about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it's great, and you're going to have fun, and you're going to love it. Oh no, they're getting away! It's the foot soldier riding Killer B. Shredder's gigantic Mega Mutant. They're buzzing off with a stolen top secret isotope. How will the turtles ever stop them? Well, you're asking me? With Needle Nose, the turtles own Mega Mutant. The psychotic Killer B attacks, but Needle Nose outmaneuvers him. The foot fingers fumble it away, and the isotope is safe. I told them not to bug me. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. From Playmates. Phantomaniacs, May has been quite a month here on the Needless Things podcast. We've done a lot of awesome stuff that I've been really excited about. Now, we already had one Ninja Turtles episode where we talked about the 1990 movie, and I hope everybody tuned in to YouTube to check out the special uh, that was run by Judith Hogue, where the whole cast, as well as Brian Henson uh, and Kevin Clash, got together to talk about the movie and do a little bit of a script read. It was great fun. If you didn't check it out, go check it out now. But now it's time to get to the roots of most people's turtle fandom, and that's to take a look back at the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toy line. And here to do that with me tonight is Mr. Chris DePetrillo. Welcome back to the show. Hello, glad to be back. Yeah, glad to be back. Yeah, as I trip over my words, it's been a long time <laughs> since we podcasted. You hear that? It I has. Had to, that's it, to talk turtles. Yeah, well, it, it has been a minute, and actually, normally this time of year, we would be doing our flashback episode. Uh, but that's right. 
we're going to have to throw up a little poll in the Needless Things podcast Facebook group this time because I really don't know if we should do 1990, which would be the normal next progression from what we've been doing, or if we mm-hmm. should do 1980. Oh, go back a little further, which in 1980, I'm dating myself, but that's the year I was born, so that could prove to be very interesting for me. Well, and that's, I'm only four in 1980, and there's stuff, I, you know, it, I I don't, I'm not leaning towards 1980 because that would be a different kind of thing. Because so far, all the years we've done have been sort of our personal recollections. And 1990 would be that. Whereas 80, which I'd like to cover 80, but I think maybe it would have to be a different thing. I don't think we can do it as, as part of the series that we've been doing. Right, because, yeah, our, our nostalgia fuels those podcasts, and if we're, you know, four, or in my case, not even born until the end of the year, <laughs> right. then we don't really have that to go on. It's going to be more informative than nostalgia. <laughs> right, right. So I think maybe we'll figure out a different project to uh, to build around 1980, because there's fun to be had there, but it would be a different kind of thing. Uh, but today, sure. we're going to be talking about 1988 and the launch of one of the greatest toy lines of all time, and and I say that statement stating it as fact, but where where do you land on that? Where where does the Ninja Turtles line fall in the history of toys for you? I think it's one of the most collectible as far as just the variety it gave us. You know, some people will knock some of the variations, and you know, I might even kind of roll my eyes at some of the things that they gave us. But it was so developed, it was so expansive, it was just. You know, I give so much credit to the people who are completists collecting that line because it is just something to be immersed in for years and years on end. And, you know, I'm a Ninja Turtles fan. Uh, You know, we can go into the fandom as we get further along here in the conversation, but it is just a testament to Playmates that they took that property and did so much with it and made so many fun-looking figures, you know, the colors that pop, the designs, just the weirdness of some of them, the absurdity of some of them. I just think it's one of the greatest toy lines out there for anybody to get interested in and start collecting. Well, that's what drew me in in the first place, is that that weirdness and that very specific design. Uh, Because I I gave, on the last week's episode, I sort of gave my toy timeline of going from Mego to Star Wars to G.I. Joe, and then Ninja Turtles followed up G.I. Joe for me. And, uh, you know, it's funny, I I enjoyed He-Man when I was a kid, but I was never a big collector. But to me, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles are are almost the spiritual successor to the Masters of the Universe line. Oh, very much so, because you have those oddball characters and you know the the weird backstories and biographies and you know people that you would see and you're like well where did this character come from where did this idea come from just you know but i think that playmates was probably a little bit more thoughtful in the process because if you've seen the toys that made us uh you realize that you know the guys at mattel were just kind of like hey we could create this guy and we'll name him this and it was just like a big in joke from happy hour at the bar so i think that uh and, I'm sorry. And, oh, well, and beyond that, even, you know, they'll, the, the people behind the master's line will come right out and say, we had four bodies out of which we made like 80 characters. <laughs> Whereas yeah. with Ninja Turtles, you see, you know, most of them, well, everything really is a new sculpt. Like even the four turtles, 
in the years since the original line, we've seen a lot of shared sculpts between Turtles figures, and, and depending on what line it is, but even the original four Turtles were different in the way that they were posed, their facial expressions, everything. There were no shared parts there except maybe the, the torso. Mm-hmm. So there was, uh, there was more, I think, creative passion invested into the Ninja Turtles line. Absolutely, and it was almost that you know the weirder the character got, the more the figure stood out. Oh, absolutely, and and the more, uh, you know, once they hit a certain point in the line, and as we go back and forth talking about our favorite figures from the line, we'll get into this a bit, I'm sure. But as it went on, and they realized they could go further and further with some of the the craziness, you really got to see them take because the, the original figures, you know, the first waves that came out were relatively straightforward but as the line went on you'd see crazy things like little characters sculpted onto the big characters like if you look at Muckman everything going on in his sculpt is just craziness and and that is yep. that's a toy designer's dream I I would think and that's why Muckman is one of the characters on my list spoiler <laughs> alert <laughs> he almost well this was tough because when I uh, was was talking beforehand, and I said, here's kind of the format I'd like to have, and I realized how difficult it was going to be to choose favorite figures from this line because you could probably put 20 in front of me that I could call my favorite. Oh, absolutely. So where where I want to start off here is how we discovered this toy line. For me, like I said, I went from G.I. Joe to Ninja Turtles, and it was I, I, I was not aware of the comic book at first, uh, the toys came out before the cartoon came out, or before I was aware of the cartoon, really, I guess. I, I I don't know the exact timeline. I just know that the toys were where I got invested. Uh, and that, to me, the, the cartoon was almost a departure from what I was expecting from having gotten into the toy line. But seeing those in the aisle, those I mean, obviously, 1988 ninjas are still really cool uh ooze anything ooze based in the 80s come on that's 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 a no brainer and then these cool humanoid animal hybrid characters which again coming sort of from the same vein of of creative creativity as masters of the universe there's just a lot of built-in appeal from from a different things into one toy line and i was hooked immediately um What's your sort of first memory of these toys? So I had vague recollections of seeing the syndication run, you know, the, the short-lived five-parter. And I, in the 80s especially, I was very into two things. You already mentioned the He-Man relationship that you felt. So I was already into the wacky characters from Masters of the Universe. And I was, you know, I was already reading comics. I didn't know of the Ninja Turtle comic like you until a little bit later on. But I was also into martial arts. I've taken Taekwondo since I was four years old. So I was into the Ninja Craze and Bruce Lee and Black Belt Magazine and anything I could get my hands on. So here was this cartoon about these mutant animal ninjas fighting these weird bad guys. And it was just like, if you took everything I liked at the time and threw it in a blender and poured it out, it was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) And it just it hooked me right from the get go. 
And I remember that in 1988 for my birthday, uh, my birthday is only a week before Christmas, but I was fortunate enough where I had certain relatives that would kind of double dip and spoil me a little extra as opposed to go the other way and just get me like one big thing. And my grandmother knew that I was, you know, going gaga for these Ninja Turtles figures. And I got the original series of figures along with the VHS of the original cartoon. It was like the 45-minute or hour-long VHS kind of compressed the origin story. Um, And that was like my big birthday gift besides video games that year. And those turtles got cracked open immediately. Like, my birthday party wasn't even over, and I was already having like a fight with all the Ninja Turtles figures. Now, do you remember, and and I didn't even recall this until I sat down, and for the listeners, if you want to go to figurerealm.com, I always recommend it as a great resource, but also a potentially dangerous one, uh, because you're going to find stuff that you want to have. But I didn't remember that the first releases of the Ninja Turtles had uh, hollow, soft, like vinyl or PVC or whatever heads, and then later re- uh, releases were just hard plastic, and this was the Turtles and Bebop and Rocksteady and Splinter uh, were all this way, and I had the soft-headed Turtles because I, I grabbed these things the second I saw them. Do you remember which kind of heads yours had? I believe they were the soft heads, and I can actually double-check when I drop my son off at my parents' this weekend because I still have quite a few of my Turtles down in the basement. Oh, I'm so, so I'll jealous. So I'll double-check. Yeah, I still have some of those original figures down in a bucket in the basement. Uh, definitely, you know, well worn out from play, and some of them have already been passed on to him. Like, my son has uh, Rocksteady and the Foot Soldier mixed in with some of his He-Man guys that I've passed on to him. So I will have to double-check and see which ones I have, because I honestly couldn't say for sure right now. I don't... For me, it's purely just nostalgia. Like, if I picked up a Rocksteady and he had a hard head, I would be like, what is this? This is weird, because I... I just remember that feeling of the, of that hollow head. And it's funny, I'm sitting here looking at Figure Realm right now. Didn't realize Rocksteady build at five foot seven inches tall. Bebop Really? Bebop five foot ten inches tall. And these are supposed to be the monster heels right. of the Ninja Turtle franchise. Right. And I mean granted compared to the uh well, okay, let's see. Leonardo's five foot one, which is around five feet, is what I've always thought of the turtles as being. But then it says mm-hmm. Donatello four feet. So wow. So all right. So I always figure them to be universally the same size. That's like I didn't picture the turtles to be of different heights and weights. Well, not I not back then because now in in newer iterations of the turtles they have made them. Uh, like Raphael will be a little bit bigger, Donatello might be a little lankier, um, mm-hmm. like the last Ninja Turtles cartoon that I is my personal favorite version of the Turtles. Um, they, they really gave them different shapes. But yeah, back then, I would have thought they were all five feet tall, all the same weight, but they're not. Uh, Raphael is 5'1", Michelangelo, five feet uh, Leonardo five one and Donatello four feet tall. So he's Donatello's supposed to be very small. Which and is that's not, from the back of the cards. Yeah, uh, yeah. They have cards. Yeah, it's it's all laid down. It's got the uh, all the accessories and the bios and everything are on the website. But yeah, that's interesting. So I did not know that. After see, now I'm going to read Figure Realm even more tonight. <laughs> right. Well, now and that's. <laughs> 
Uh, Figure Realm is, I think it's kind of like Wikipedia where all the information is user-generated. So Mm -hmm. some toy lines, like this one, has literally every figure, every vehicle, every piece of information entered in, but then other more obscure stuff will... It might have the name of the figure and like an old bad picture, and that's it. So it it really depends on how invested the contributor was in the line as to how much information is on Figure Realm. But yeah, Ninja Turtles is loaded up. Uh, so, yeah, I would say that this is one of the lines where we have everything we need. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, man. Oh, it's great. It's great, and it's terrible. Uh, so. Not, there weren't just figures in this line. Every great toy line, in my mind, has to have vehicles and accessories for the figures to interact with. And Ninja Turtles was definitely full of that stuff, too. So actually, what I want to do, before we really talk about our favorite figures, I want to save that for the main event. Right now, our, our prelim, we're going to talk about some of our favorite vehicles and accessories and uh, other types of things that they managed to come up with to put in a box and sell alongside these figures for this toy line. Uh, And I'm going to kick this one off because I got to be sure I get my guy in. And I'll let you go first with (laughs) the figures. But one of my, not just one of my favorite toys from this line, but one of my favorite overall toys if you remember, there were two figures called Mega Mutants. Uh, one of them was a bee, and he worked with the Foot Clan. And the other one was a giant mosquito called Needlenose. Who, yep, I remember Needlenose. And he hung out with the Ninja Turtles. He was the good guy, Mega Mutant. And that Needlenose... I mean, really, he's a vehicle... But he's also a figure because he has a character and he, the way that he interacts with the turtles, you know, he's not just something that they ride around. He's a character unto himself and his design is incredible because all he is, he could have easily been shrunk down and put on a blister card alongside the rest of the figures. But instead he is, as they say, a mega mutant. And he's got these cool translucent wings. Uh, He's got like a crazy flat top. And then he's got all the wild detail. He's got slime coming out of his mouth. His tongue's hanging out. Uh, And a turtle fits on this cool contraption on his back that has like a gun on it and a windshield. And it's uh, all of the like mechanics of this toy line are all this great cobbled together stuff. Like this aesthetic that to me will always be Ninja Turtles, but also maybe has a little, like, Mad Max in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just, I loved this guy. He's got, all all six of his arms are articulated. Uh, he's got, it's just a great-looking figure that went so far above and beyond what they really had to do with something like this. Uh, did you have either of the Mega Mutants, or do you remember these guys? I do remember them. I didn't have either of them, but I do remember him because, like you said, you know, he's not a vehicle, he's a character, and they could have easily gone the Baxter Stockman route and just shrank him down to that size and had you know the similar aesthetic doing it that way. But now, I'm looking at him right now, and if I remember correctly, he was like a military guy that mutated, or yeah, yeah. whatever. Uh, 
He's got well. So that's why, like, he was supposed to, supposed to be like a, he was supposed to be like an Air Force guy or like a jet or something like that. Like that was kind of like the connotation. I'm actually pulling it up right now so I can see the biography. He's he's got well. we'll you get we'll, when you cross a mosquito with a jet fighter. Okay, yep. So <laughs> <laughs> and he's got and, the military insignia on his shoulders, and uh, he's got like a jet engine on the back. I mean, really, just. I would love to talk to that. This what a great conversation it would be to have with anybody who worked on this line. Oh God, for sure. Just to just the create like we were talking in the beginning. Just the sheer creativity of that. I mean, like you said, like with Masters of the Universe, you know, they had such limited stuff to work with, and it was like, okay, like how far out there, you know, slash how absurd can we get with what we've got? Whereas with the Ninja Turtles they were not afraid to just keep going and going. Like they didn't take an existing mold or anything like that and kind of warp it into something new. They made these giant figures like that when they could have very easily made a, you know, a four ninety nine, five ninety nine action figure out of this guy. And, you know, it's kind of a testament to the toy line too, that, you know, every good toy line has a headquarters, vehicles, accessories, stuff like that. But now you've kind of got kids or, you know, in our case, adults now, wanting to collect something that is that hybrid. Like, it has, like, more appeal. It's not just like, oh, here's another van or another truck with different logos or guns slapped on it. Like, here's something that truly stands out as, like, a one-of-a-kind playset or accessory. And even the, as I'm sure we'll end up talking about, even the ones that were straight vehicles had so much personality that they all became so, like you said, it's not just another Jeep or whatever. And don't get me wrong, I love my Geo Joe Jeeps. But Mm -hmm. this was a whole different level of, wow, this is like, you look at this and you see Donatello built this thing. It's it's a different thing. So uh, that is is my first pick, is Needle Nose. I, I love him as a character, as a mode of transportation, uh, what is one of your favorite vehicles or accessories or whatever? So one of mine is one of the more simplistic designs, but the nostalgia and how I repurposed it for many other toy lines over the years. Uh, my nod goes to the knucklehead trap yes. from the Foot Clan. Yes. Because not only would I use that with my Ninja Turtles, but I would use that when I broke out my He-Man guys again as some sort of evil trap. I used it with my Toxic Crusaders figures, which I intermingled with my Ninja Turtles once those had come out, because they were very similar in design and, and body type and just even backstory. I did the uh, same even, thing. that They just got incorporated uh, into my Turtles. Yep, everyone just got kind of mixed in at that point. Even once the uh, Toy Biz lines, like X-Men, the Marvel superheroes started hitting, I would use Knucklehead as a trap, even though the figures were slightly smaller. I would just come up with some type of absurd way to get spider Man or Hulk inside it and needing to break out. So just on the longevity of play alone, I've got to give Knucklehead a spot in my list. Well, and I love it. It's it does it does it has a simple design, but it's creepy because it's spider like and it's weird and it's got those two little hands on the front while the rest of it's the boxing <laughs> gloves. Which lots of boxing gloves in this line. I don't know that the Rocky line had as many boxing gloves as the Ninja Turtles line. <laughs> uh, and then the cool feature where the foot soldier or, wh- or whoever's piloting this thing to me it was always a foot soldier because it looks it almost looks like it's a different version of a foot soldier like it's mm-hmm. built from the same parts uh 
but whoever's strapped into it is in that little the little winch part that hangs above and you just walk around and like it has again beyond just being a vehicle it has functionality as a fun toy for a kid to play with yeah it was like having like a puppet on a string almost like just kind of like you know walking around with this contraption and it wasn't you know it wasn't just something that had to stay in place like you could like you said carry it around lift it up like there was just so much use like you know it kind of enhanced the collector's creativity as well as the creator's well and you had to get creative with how you drop down for for the listeners this thing uh it's got it's kind of spider shaped it's got four arms and there's a i think isn't there like a pressure switch up underneath so when it when it lands on a figure yeah like that little mechanism right it and it, the legs close together and it picks the figure up if you do it right and there's always a little bit of it was it was like a game it was like a game of skill to to manage to get it to to pick them up right because obviously that didn't... it was like the claw game like yeah. the vending machine yes yeah. yeah it's exactly like that yeah great pick i i love that thing i mean that was essential that that would be if i was going to be crazy enough to go back and try and recollect this line or parts of this line this would be an essential piece for me absolutely i'm right there with you uh all right well my next one and and this is tough because i don't know that we're going to get through we, we got a lot of show, to, a lot of ground to cover here, um, <laughs> so I am going to throw out one that I, I almost didn't put on my list. So it's probably the one I should leave off if I'm going to leave anything off. But I got to get it out there because it's so insane. The turtle blimp. I mean, it's so ridiculous, it's so impractical, and yet it's one of the most iconic toy vehicles. Ever because of how insane it is it's this it, it is actually an inflatable blimp and it underneath has that carriage deal that holds a turtle that has the bombs that you pull the trigger and the bombs drop off uh the it had the cool plastic veins that were really hard to get onto the blimp but then mm-hmm. once you got them on they stayed on pretty well but this thing was just massive, and they got away with making one of the biggest vehicles that had been made at the time because it was inflatable. And technically, all it is is that little carriage piece. But once it's inflated, it's this huge, impressive thing. And if you think about the age of some of the kids playing with Ninja Turtles at the time, the blimp would literally be bigger than some of them. Oh, for sure. We got, because they did. Um, my son was collecting all of the stuff from that last Ninja Turtles cartoon. And they did a new version of the Turtle Blimp. It was it was different, but it was the same size. And, like, he couldn't even really play with it because it was so big to him at the time. Uh, so we ended up just hanging it up uh, in his room. But just what a great conversation piece. What a great design. Uh, and one of the cool features of it, you could... The little pegs that the bombs hung from... When you press the trigger, the pegs retracted into the body, which would drop the bombs. But the cool thing was the pegs were the same size as the turtle's uh, open hands. So you could actually hang figures from those pegs as well, and it's it's it doubles as a troop transport. Yep, do a little bombs away ninja action. Absolutely, yeah. That just a, a, a sort of simple 
it's simplicity, but it's perfectly executed. Uh, it's a great playset. I, I myself did not have it. I remember seeing it in the store. It didn't really appeal to me. Um, I'm not sure if I was just kind of more into the run-and-gun type stuff of, like, the wagons and the vehicles and the Jeeps and stuff like that. But looking at it, you know, through collector's eyes and, and you know, over the years, just imagine having, you know, like your son's got the new one. Imagine imagine having that original one as a display piece. Oh, just, yeah. It is just especially being that massive, I mean, that would take up a good chunk of your home office or your man cave, whatever you want to call it. But it is just, you know, that is one nice-looking piece of plastic. And and I will say that I think at the time I got it because it was there to be gotten. I don't think I necessarily... It wasn't one of the things I went out of, way, out of my way to get. It wasn't something that was, like, on my list of I have to have this. And something to remind the listeners of is... This line was hitting when I was 12, so this was all very much on the down low for me. Like, I had a couple of friends who were buying some turtles here and there, but we did not talk about it. Like, it was, it was like, people would come over, like, the guys would come over, we'd sort of talk about turtles and stuff, like, hey, hey, but outside of the safety of our homes, we did not discuss our Ninja Turtle collections at all. Oh yeah, we didn't talk about this in. What what was that? We didn't talk about this in school. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I, you know, I for at least through probably being fifteen, I guess I was still actively buying all these toys. So so that's the that's the timeline we're dealing with here as we move through uh, these different Ninja Turtles uh, figures and, and accessories and whatever else. Uh, what is next on your list? So mine, uh, I'm going to go ahead and list this one now, just because we've already mentioned Masters of the Universe a couple of times. But the uh, you know sister toy to the Masters of the Universe slime pit was Shredder's Flushomatic. <laughs> Absolutely. And so because I had because I had two different slime pits, one at my house, one at my grandparents' house when I was a kid for my He-Man guys. What's a little bit more slime or mutagen ooze? as the turtles would say. And this was where much like uh, a masters of the universe hero would be captured and had slime dropped on him. This is where shredder would trap a turtle or any other hero that was released in the line at that point and cover them in ooze. And what young child doesn't like to get his hands a little messy with some green gooky stuff. So that was another place that, that proved uh, to be enjoyable for hours and hours on end especially when that was combined with the slime pit and it was like each team or each side, good and evil, each had their own different uh, slime trap to be trapped inside. Well, and that was, you know, one of the keys to the success of this line and, and a lot of 80s lines was that that slime, ooze, uh, goop, mutagen, wh- whatever it was called and whatever the line was, it was such a big deal and it's funny that it was always used as like a, a sort of well, Ghostbusters had uh, slime as well. I mean, just yep. it was it was everywhere. But this thing, I love that that in most cases it is some sort of torture device. Like yeah, and <laughs> and, and and they're the most popular toys because of the gross out factor. Yeah, and, and this is literally you you strap your figure to a table. And there is a toilet above him, and you dump the slime into the toilet, and it goes through onto the figure. 
absolutely disgusting, and for a kid, absolutely essential and amazing. It was mutant waterboarding, was what it was. <laughs> this is accurate. Uh, let's see. Okay, so moving on to my next pick for for just one of the awesome vehicles of this line. I'm going to cheat a little bit here because I'm going to mention one, but it's not my pick. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to say what it is. I think we have to give props to the mutant module because oh, absolutely, it was omnipresent on the show. It was the main form of travel for the Foot Clan. It was in like every episode. It's critical, but to me, as a toy as something that was fun to play with and is something that looks cool on the shelf and, again, something that I would love to have now, Shredder's Foot Cruiser is badass. Oh, that was like his evil convertible. It Yes, it was the... Yep. If Shredder was Eddie Guerrero, this, <laughs> this would be his ride. Uh, just, uh, again, a triumph of design from this toy line because it's not just a cool, you know, Ninja Turtles vehicle. It has this incredible purple slime paint job. Uh, it's got the back hatch that opens up that has the gun turret on it. Uh, it's got rubber tires. It's, I mean, it isn't just like, okay, we want Shredder to have a car. They really went all out and put every feature you could possibly think of on this car. Uh, it's got running boards with pegs on them, so Bebop and Rocksteady can stand on the side. Uh, it's got the little pennant flags on it. Uh, it. It's just beautiful. It's a it's an incredible toy. Beyond just being a cool, like, oh, look at Shredder's evil car, it's a great example of toy engineering. Of course, it's got rockets in the front, because, yes, it has to. Back then, everything shot rockets. Nobody was worried about losing an eye, because toys were cool. Uh this is just a beautiful vehicle. I would drive this thing. If I could get a real version of this, I would drive it around town 100%. Now, were you like me when I was a kid and I thought that the pop-up feature, the thing in the back with the guns, was supposed to be like a face? Yes. It almost looked like two eyes and a nose. And I'm like, whose face is that supposed to be? Like, I didn't know if that was like another character, if they were trying to do something else. Like, it just had this an odd look to it, but it was also part of the charm of it was that it wasn't just like a simplistic, boom, here's two machine guns type of design. Yeah, I mean, those are very clearly, well, they're supposed to be eyeballs, for sure. They have to be, but why are they eyeballs? You know why? Because why not? (laughs) Because of Treader. Right, exactly. And we're led to believe that he probably, along the way, probably, you know, stole an enemy's eyes at some point and mounted them on his convertible. So he could shoot them at people. Why not? Yeah, I love this thing. It's great. No, that was a great toy. I did not have that one, but that's another one that I remember. My friend actually had that one, and you know, we would do the thing where, oh, come over to my house, bring your turtles. And, right, right. You know, let our figures go to war. Well, and the other cool thing about this is the chrome is actually chrome. You know, toys nowadays I when... I that. Yeah, toys nowadays when they're supposed to be, uh, you know, silver or gold or whatever, it's not vac metal anymore. It's not that nice, shiny, 80s-looking toy anymore. Uh, it's a dulled down, like every C-3PO you get now is that dull gold that I, I don't hate, but nothing's ever going to match my vac metal 3PO. And the the parts on this, the running boards, the bumpers, um, the, the headlights, everything, it's all that nice, shiny, 
chrome look. It, it's it's really it, it it makes a big difference to me. I've just pulled up another picture of it now, and see, I'm getting that's one of the things that I'm getting tempted to not go on eBay and look for right now. <laughs> I can't even imagine how much one would would be like intact in decent condition. Oh, I I don't even want to look because then right. I'm going to start looking at the stuff that I did have, and then I'm going to get sad. So, all right, before before you get sucked into the eBay, uh, what is your next pick for great vehicle? So you mentioned the Mutant module, and I guess that would lead me to mention not only a great playset, not only a great display piece, but uh, just the functionality of using it as a vehicle or a playset. Of course, I'm talking about the Technodrome. Oh, yeah. You know, you could have it rolling around you could pop it open and have the figures fighting inside i guess my only complaint was that i always felt it was a little small like a little cramped if you really wanted to utilize all the figures you had at that point but you know what that's why they made a million more vehicles for us to add to our collections but that was just uh you know something that we saw all the time on the cartoon like you said it was just symbolic of the evil of the ninja turtles and if you wanted a bad guy base of operations, you had to have that technodrome. And I, this is where we hit the point where I get to say, I never had a technodrome. Um, I think that because I was using allowance or whatever, like I was beyond the point where I was really getting toy, like big toys for Christmas anymore. Uh, I was mostly using my own money that I scraped together mowing the lawn, doing chores, mowing the neighbor's lawn, doing whatever uh, to pay for this stuff. And I think bigger ticket items or larger items, I just kind of didn't even mess with at that time. Like I, I was getting to the point where I was really having to make decisions about what I wanted to buy. And this one, I think... For, for however much it was, which granted it was probably only like 40 bucks back then. I don't know. But uh, I, I it was something that I personally ended up not being able to justify getting, but always wanted. It was definitely given to me as a gift because I was not, uh, you know, self-made at that point yet. <laughs> right, <laughs> I was, right. You know, yeah, I was, you know, eight, nine when, when it came out. Um, you know, fortunately... Uh, grandma would listen to my uh, pleas for new items quite often. And, uh, you know, it was just one of those things where there was always something new to do with it. Like, it was not one of those sets that you easily got bored with, which I guess is something that you could say for most of this line as a whole, just because of the the difference in these playsets and the functions of so many of these playsets and figures, is that the Ninja Turtles line always added, like, every new item always added something new to do like it was never like oh this figure's okay i mean maybe you get that with the variant or if you're getting like another turtle or something like that but every new item it just made your collection feel fresh again at, at least for me well and i'm looking at this now and a, another piece that i never had was the actual turtles sewer headquarters or sewer base or whatever it was called because again it was just a larger item that i i, I didn't mess with at the time but it looks to me like this portal on the front of the Technodrome might be designed to connect to the turtles sewer base as, as though they're yeah, like I did not invading. Have the sewer base. I did not have the sewer base, but that would be, see that would be awesome because if I had the sewer base and I was able to go back in time, which apparently there's a parallel universe now. So, Hey, who knows how far off we are from that? <laughs> right. But you know, 
if that happens, I am going to have to get us through a playset and try that because that would make my day. Like, I'd be playing Ninja Turtles for six hours and wouldn't bother anybody if I could do something like that. I'm actually trying to look up the sewer playset now, and it's I'm not sure where it came out in the line. I think I've gone... I've already gone too far into the line for it. But, uh, yeah, that that tube looks like it would connect to one of the, the little entryways because I remember that sewer playset having a number of different... Uh, portals and tubes there it is yeah absolutely it's almost like one of those modular hamster town things you get from like petco yeah that came in on the side where it was like the it was like the warp zone from mario yes. world yes type of pipes yep yeah it's got a couple of different pipes and it looks like they can plug into different places on the set i think that's exactly what that is and that is fantastic because that kind of interactivity between pieces, one, it's fun for the kid, and two, it encourages you to want more than just the one toy. Yeah, because it's like you can assemble, it's kind of like what Mattel did with the Eternia playset, trying to include so much in that one box, but here you're doing a different product, but still allowing people to kind of make that diorama, that whole setup with each individual item. Well, we've got to move on. Uh, we can't spend too much time just talking about the vehicles, but before we go, is there something you'd like to give a shout-out, an honorable mention to? Uh, the last two that I was going to mention, uh, the classic party wagon. Yes. Can't have a talk about vehicles without the party wagon. Uh, that was just, you know, the just like the Technodrome and the Mutant Module for the bad guys, that was the Turtles' mode of transportation that we all saw in the cartoon. And then as far as just personal fun... And for my collection, uh, one of the vehicles that I really enjoyed was uh, Michelangelo's Beach Buggy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of personality, very specific to Mikey. Mm -hmm. Had, like, the decals, like the peace sign and and stuff like that on it. It was, like, very very 60s, very almost hippie-ish. But it was definitely, like, that whole surfer dude mentality from Michelangelo. Just, Just a fun little vehicle that I really enjoyed. Uh, my my final one, since I already threw the mutant module out there real quick, the uh, sewer tubes. There were two different sewer tubes that came out that actually <laughs> floated in water. Uh, just really neat designs, basically inner tubes with, with guns on them. <laughs> yep, I had one of them. Uh, all right, so moving along, real quick, I kind of just want to discuss the line a little bit um, before we get to our favorite figures you know, it started off relatively simple with the four turtles, Bebop, Rocksteady, Shredder, a Foot Soldier, and Splinter. I don't think April was one of the... F- no, she was. April was one of the first ones, too. Wow, what a what a big wave, right? Yeah, it was basically all the main people from that initial uh, series, the initial cartoon, were all in that first wave. I think, you know, nowadays getting seven figures in a wave is kind of a big deal. Uh, so, so having this much variety in a single wave is pretty impressive. Uh, but then pretty much right off the bat, we started getting weird, wacky characters and we got stuff like Ace Duck and Genghis Frog and Mondo Gecko and, uh, just all kinds of crazy stuff before eventually the line, because they realized people still want the core characters. People still want those four turtles over and over and over again. So I want to talk a little bit about some of the, uh, I guess, gimmick turtles that they made, how we feel about them, uh, what they did to the line, and do you have, like, a favorite set of those, you know, 
the turtles as cowboys, the turtles as universal monsters, whatever. Uh, it was, you know, by the time the variations started really hitting their stride, I had kind of fallen out of the line. Um, I had gotten distracted by other toy lines because Turtles was 88. And as we've talked many times before, uh, you know, huge wrestling fan, obviously, between just growing up with it and now what I do for Figure Story Company. Uh, but I was distracted by collecting the WWF Hasbro figures and then oh. Toy Biz oh. a year after that with the Marvel releases, the X-Men and the Marvel superheroes and stuff. So those two lines kind of pulled me away from Ninja Turtles, and I kind of went from sporadic collector to just, you know, still being a fan. But at that point, that's when I was using my allowance and whatever money I would make towards what I really wanted, which at the point was wrestling and, excuse me, wrestling and superhero figures. Uh, One thing that I do recall, which was not anything that appealed to me, but it is definitely a symbol of the 90s excess, was the Jim Lee TMNT line from <laughs> yes. 94, 95. Yeah, yeah. And it was essentially the Image image Comics versions of the Ninja Turtles. They were extreme. And yeah, just, just as a comic book fan and knowing how over the top with the uh, body image and the violence and the sensationalism of you know Jim Lee and Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld and all those guys at the time, it was like okay, so they're going this route with the Ninja Turtles now. And I saw them and I remember wanting them briefly, and then I was just like, nah, like it's, it's like I wanted them just because I was reading some image stuff at the yeah, time yeah, yeah. and I still liked the Ninja Turtles, but at that time every figure was getting to be like that. So it was like, it felt different because it was the Turtles, but then it was like, okay, well, if everything's like this, it's really not going to matter. Like, they're not going to stand out as much against all this other stuff. But that was just one of the more absurd takes I think they had on the line. I didn't think that the Ninja Turtles needed to get so over the top in that type of design. Well, and I think it was right around the same time that Playmates got the license to do Wildcats, I believe. Hmm? Do you remember those Wildcats figures? Because that, that ran in conjunction with the cartoon, I believe. Yes, yes. Yep. So, um, so that, yeah, so that was like 94, 95 when the cartoon was on. So, and, and it's, I'm glad you mentioned Toy Biz's Marvel stuff because that was essentially my next progression after Ninja Turtles was, was right into the Toy Biz Marvel stuff, which I sometimes forget about uh, because I tend to think during high school I didn't collect much. But I did. I was I was buying all that stuff, man. Uh, as, as for me, I the Jim Lee ones. The reason I didn't, the only reason I didn't buy those, was because they didn't do all four turtles. They did. They only did like two or three of them, right? They, they did three turtles, and they did. I think the fourth figure was some other character or something. I don't remember exactly. Or maybe they just did the three turtles, uh, but. That was something that seemed to happen fairly regularly with these uh, gimmick turtles was that they would only do three of them for some reason. And, and I don't know what that was, but to me, as much as I didn't care about most of these kinds of things, like the sports turtles or, uh, you know, I just I didn't need that many variations of the turtles. And, and most of the time I wasn't that interested in whatever it was. Uh, I don't need Rodeo Clown Donatello or whatever it was. Uh, 
But it wouldn't even be all four turtles, which to me, that means the collection cannot ever be completed. And that's very off-putting to me, even back then as a toy collector. And I remember, too, and see if you remember this one, um, because obviously being a fan of the turtles and being a fan of the movie, I remember one of the variants they did was like when they had the different occupations or, or whatever, and they did Donatello, and he was supposed to be like a private eye. But he yes. looked like Raphael from the movie. Yes. And I'm like, why didn't they just go ahead and do the Raphael this way? Like, I just felt like it was such a missed opportunity. Like, this should be Raphael. Like, why can't he have the red headband? Oh, like, you know, I- I'm thinking, you know, make it more in line with what we've actually seen. And I don't think anyone at Playmates was thinking that way. No, no, they weren't. And you can even look at the figures that were supposed to be the movie figures and see, like, they didn't. They didn't get it. They they were I think they were too afraid of making something different from the toy line, so they they look like the toy line. They don't look like the movie figures. And I, I never bought those. As much as I loved that movie, even the second that it came out, uh I never bought the figures directly from the movie because they didn't look right to me. Yep, I'm with you. Uh so I we we had Star Trek Turtles which I think was neat. Uh, any any kind of like, you know, Paramount crossover, obviously. Uh, that's fine. I have no problem with that. The Universal Monster Turtles, that's cool. Uh, yep, Universal Monsters are awesome. Early on, they weren't... They didn't do full waves. They would be dropped in within, like, you would get maybe something like, and I, I'm, I'm just throwing names out here. This probably won't be entirely accurate, but you'd have a wave that was like Napoleon Bonafrog, Mutagen Man... Mondo Gecko, and then Raph in a space suit. Uh, like, they would drop a turtle variation within a wave rather than doing a whole wave of themed turtles. And that stuff I thought was kind of cool. They did uh, a punk rocker, Donatello, that I actually, I think that that was part of a music turtle wave, right? Yeah, I think they all had... Did that come out around the same time they were doing like that live stage show, the coming out of their shells? I don't think think it was related to that i think this was a little earlier on and actually one interesting note about figure realm uh for the listeners if you're following along the themed turtle waves are in a separate section from the regular toy line because there are so many of them (laughs) that's because that set because they that one came out all together that wasn't like spread out i don't think because Donatello was like the punk, but I remember Michelangelo was like the breakdancer or the rapper. And I didn't remember that until you mentioned, because prior to uh, to us recording, we kind of put a little bit of information together, and you had mentioned something about, I think you said something about Michelangelo having zebra pants and a keytar. Yes. And I didn't even remember that there were other music-specific turtles like that. But, you know, some of the stuff is really fun. There's a Michelangelo that's in, like, a body glove, for whatever reason, with flippers, uh, that I like. He's a cool design. He looks neat. And I could see Michelangelo, you know, going surfing. Like, that made sense to me. That that was something that could be incorporated into the line and work. But you would wonder why a turtle would need a body glove. But, <laughs> hey, I want to make another figure. Because he wants to look cool. And he was cool. Michelangelo was my favorite. Come on now. <laughs> um, so, real quick, before we get into the main event, before we get into our favorite Ninja Turtles figures, we're going to take a little pizza break here. And I want to discuss what you think is the best delivery pizza that you have had. 
Oh, well, I mean, my family has owned an Italian bakery slash pizza parlor for since 1967. So, I mean, I'm a little biased <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to that. Uh, to, to be completely honest, I do not really uh, go the, the chain pizza route all too much just because living in the Northeast, we're kind of spoiled by local pizzerias. So that's a tough one because I'm going to mention places and everyone listening is going to be like, wait a minute, where's that? And well, then, then, you know, then I'll put it's going it to be Rhode you. Island, it's going to be New York. <laughs> I'll put it to you this way then. If you're, if you're getting a pizza, whether it's carry out or delivery, what kind of pizza are you getting? For me, there's two. There is the very simple cheese and pepperoni or there is the greek style with feta cheese spinach and olives oh nice yeah i'm uh i both of those are solid i have no objections to either one of those now crust style what what kind of crust man are you Uh, i am a crust fan so the thicker the crust the better okay okay see i used to love a pan pizza and I've kind of gotten away from that. I prefer, I don't necessarily go for a thin crust, but I, I prefer more of a hand-tossed style. Um, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't like the thicker crust as much as I used to. Uh, but if I'm, if I'm ordering, uh, you know, down here, our options are limited. We do not have the, the local pizzerias that you are blessed with. So if I'm going with, you know, Pizza Hut, Papa John's, Domino's, Marco's, uh... I'm probably going to go with Pizza Hut. Just basic, basic bitch Pizza Hut. Uh, and they just hand-tossed. I like that uh, Hut-flavored crust. They put a seasoning on the crust that's pretty tasty. Do they still do the pretzel crust? I think it's available, but it's not anything I would dabble in. I'm not a big pretzel fan. I'm not... As far as like uh, like the bags of pretzels, like you know, like munchy pretzels, right, right, I'm not right. into those. But the soft baked pretzels, I do enjoy those. So the pretzel crust, I've had a couple of times, and it was pretty good. I yeah, and you know, you put it that way because I do I do like a good like stadium pretzel, but I just mixing it with pizza, I don't know, I that scares me. But but toppings wise, uh, regular amount of cheese, I don't need extra cheese on the pizza because everything slides off and it's not even a pizza anymore. Um, I like pepperoni, meatballs, Italian sausage. Uh, I used to get onions with that, but I, I, I'm not big on onions anymore. Uh, they, I find the older I get, the longer things stick with me. And now if I eat an onion, I feel like I have onions in me for like a week. I'm not an onion fan at all, but I mean, as far as like the meat lovers type of pizza, I'm right there with you on that. Some nice Italian sausage, some prosciutto on it. Oh, yeah, that nice thick layer of meat. I want, I want the layer of meat to be as as thick and covering as the layer of cheese, and as the layer of dough, which is like a nice triple decker. <laughs> it's like eating a cake instead of a pizza. Right. <laughs> what I'm gonna have to do once uh, once the world at large gets back on its feet and things start to settle down. My uncle's bakery does do shipping and what we have here in Rhode Island, which is his big claim to fame over the last uh, decade or so is he does these things called pizza chips. Um, I can send you a link. You can look them up online. They are sold in bags, uh, typically by a dozen 
He does them as, you know, regular pizza dough with red sauce. He does, like, white pizza with, like, garlic and pepper seasoning. He does bacon and mozzarella. He does, like, nine-grain dough, like, whole wheat, you know, for, like, if you're healthy. Um, He's done, like, little bruschettes this way. But, you know, the main one is just, like, the plain red sauce, you know, pizza dough. But they are, like, little mini discs of pizza and we have the sign outside the bakery, and I don't know where they're at now, but he has sold, like, in the millions oh, man. of them. And he does ship them nationwide. One of his most frequent buyers is actually the mayor of Houston, Texas. <laughs> That's great. Well, so, I'll, uh, you know, yeah. For those who don't know where I'm located, I'm up here in Rhode Island, up here in the Northeast, and he's sending them all around the country and i know he is still shipping now even with everything that's going on because the bakery has been open because it you know sells food so it's been deemed essential and everything yeah yeah um but i have not myself been in there because i can't just go traipsing into the back room and talking to everybody uh you know gonna follow the new standard for a little while so once i get in there and can talk to him into uh shipping some stuff out i'll get you some pizza chips oh man i can't wait that's awesome and that's I, that's as far as everything that's going on right now, the the kind of my credo is why not be safe? Yeah, yeah. Why? Just you know, just lay low for a little while. Yeah, why not be careful? All right, it's it's time, man. Are you ready? Ready. Let's go. We are we are between the two of us. We are going to select the top ten Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figures from the original line. And uh, since I chose the first vehicle pick. You get to choose the first figure pick. All right. So I don't know if I wanted to go in any particular order, uh, but I am going to go with one of the wackier entries into the Ninja Turtles line, that basketball playing giraffe half court. (laughs) Oh, wow. I love that we're starting off bizarre. Just uh, as an NBA fan, as a Ninja Turtles fan, it, it was just one of the, and just as an absurd figure collector, it was just one of those figures that hit on every note. Uh, if you are not familiar with Half Court, look them up on Figure Realm or look them up online. It was basically a mutated Toys R Us Jeffrey the Giraffe with the basketball jersey on. His basketball was a hornet's nest or a beehive, and he also came with like a minifigure, and the minifigure was supposed to be uh, like a mutant referee for his basketball games. See, now... Now that you've thrown the Jeffrey reference into it, it makes me want this guy. But also, I'm glad you brought up his little buddy because that was something that came into the line in like maybe the third wave, like 1990, I think, where a lot of them started coming with those little extra characters that were their little buddies. And I love that. Yeah, it wasn't just like your standard weapons. It was almost like getting a two-for-one, just like how we were talking about Needle Nose, like a vehicle and a figure all-in-one. Even the basic figures had these extra parts or these extra creatures or people that were an add-on to their personality or just a, a, even like a standalone figure. Yeah, that and, and I actually just now remembered I used to paint those guys because it bothered me that they were because you know playmates is not putting paint apps on these little tiny accessories um and it used to bother me that they were characters but that they didn't have any paint on them and i would actually paint those guys and and give them detail i remember with half court i thought that for some reason his little guy was supposed to be like burned like he was charred (laughs) 
because I was so used to like you know like Wiley e. Coyote on Looney Tunes or something like that. Like that was just how they would depict them after they had been like set on fire or thrown into a volcano or whatever. So I thought part of his mutation was that he was charred and that's why he was that way. <laughs> well, excellent. That what that is a great way. I love that we're kicking this off weird. I am going to go a little bit back to basics for my first pick. Um, not total basic turtle, but one that became the standard for me because when they introduced the storage shell turtles, those became my main turtles. Uh, because if you remember, the original turtles came with so many accessories and you had nothing to do with them. Mm-hmm. And then they bring out these storage shell turtles, which is genius because aesthetically they're the same as the original turtles. They don't have any big extra giant pieces on them. The shape, they're shaped the same. They have the same profile. Um, they did have harder heads, so that, that's a knock against them from my perspective. But those storage shells were so cool, and the fact that they came with a like a, a throwing pizza with like a saw blade on it and like even better accessories than the original turtles came with. Uh, but they also had like, they didn't change them up so drastically that they felt like different figures. Donatello still had his bow staff and was still purple themed. And what I, another thing that I've just now remembered, uh, because at this point I was, I, I was doing a lot of different kinds of painting of toys and customizing figures and, and stuff like that. So the storage shell turtles had the, you know, all, all the original turtles had the colored knee pads and elbow pads to match their headbands because that's just <laughs> how it was. I painted their elbow pads and knee pads brown so they would look more like what I imagine their comic appearance was, or the, co- the covers of the comics, I did leave their uh, headbands individually covered because I did like that concept. But these storage shell turtles, their belts were matched to their headbands as well. So I ended up painting their belts black. Like, I did a lot... I, I didn't even think about this until tonight. I did so much customizing on this line because there were just little extra things that I wanted that Playmates wasn't going to shell out the money to do all these different colors or or do all these different decos. Uh, But that storage shell Donatello, and I picked Donatello just because he's my favorite turtle, but the storage shell turtles for me were like a landmark in the line because it was such a cool feature and really just changed the way you could play with the figures. It was improving upon a classic because, like you said, too, they still got their standard weapons. It wasn't like years later when they were getting all those, you know, the different occupational turtles or the rock and roll turtles or whatever, where you weren't getting the proper accessories with them. So if that was the first time you got Michelangelo or Raphael or whoever, you weren't getting the size or the nunchucks. You were getting a boombox or whatever. Right. So, like you said, you're still getting something new, like the pizza shurikens or whatever they were, but you're also getting the traditional weaponry and you're able to keep them together without, you know, the weapons getting scattered or loosening them because those original ones, they were on those little plastic pegs. So it's like you pop them off, you're not using them unless you've got them in a Ziploc bag somewhere. They're getting buried at the bottom of your toy box or kicked under the couch or whatever. So, yeah, I had, what did I have for the storage? I think I had Michelangelo and Raphael for the storage turtles. They were great. They were just, I, I loved having because i loved all the weapons that the original ones came with you popped them off the little sprue you were good to go but then eventually 
they were gone or you, I did I, you know I I was not at that point in my life storing accessories in Ziploc bags so who knows Either where way. those things ended up <laughs> <laughs> All right uh so what is your next pick for uh one of the greatest turtles of all time All right well veering back into classic territory uh he's probably my favorite uh co-star of the Ninja Turtles franchise. Uh, I'm sure many people like him, but the vigilante lover in me has always been a fan of Casey Jones. So going back to Series 2 and that very first Casey Jones figure, he's got the hockey mask on, he's got the bag of sporting goods that he uses to beat evil into submission, and just one of my favorite figures, not only for the Ninja Turtles line, but Casey Jones is one of my favorite figures from my childhood overall out of any line. Well, and he's so great because he that like that head really looks like the way they drew him in the comics. Um, he just has a great look. All the stuff fits into the golf bag. The golf bag fits over his torso. Like everything on this figure works. It looks great. It's got like it's got a lot of color, but he's not like outlandish he's not neon colors or anything like that he looks like a guy in sweats and a hockey mask but in an exciting action figure way he's very toyetic but also looks like casey jones he's recognizable and the design too i mean we even got like the elastic string from his sweatbands like all tied up and stuff like that like it wasn't just like hey we're gonna slap legs on and paint them into sweatpants like they actually went with like the full design of the costume and everything and just like the different shades of green and everything like just the decal not the decal but the deco and everything he he pops he pops while being simplistic yeah absolutely yeah he's 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 a legend he's one that's a that's a must own for sure out of the line i wonder if it does it give his height he's six two he's the tallest character so far because shredder's only six feet so Casey Jones is bigger than Shredder, and I he don't is. think it was ever—I don't think it was ever uh, pictured that depicted that way. No, no, definitely not. Although I would imagine Elias Codius is is taller than the actor who portrayed Shredder uh, in the first movie. Not, however, taller than Kevin Nash, who portrayed Super no, Shredder. <laughs> uh, all right, so my second pick, one of my favorite action figures of all time one of the best action figure designs I think ever and that is Mutagen Man Mutagen Man so weird he's this trans first of all you've got a translucent action figure I'm a sucker for translucence I'm a sucker for glow in the dark and he's translucent and his uh, arms and legs are these like weird rotten zombie parts with uh, cyborg pieces holding them together. He's got tubes. I love tubes. Uh, and then you can see his guts. All of his insides are inside of this clear capsule that you can fill with the fluid of your choice. And of course, given that this line is based around mutagen, you want to put some mutagen in there. And if I remember, I put in a mixture of water and mutagen so there would be like sort of a lava lamp effect. But the problem is, eventually, that broke down. It just looked like disgusting garbage in there. Uh, but I, I loved this guy. He's what a what a bizarre, weird character. 
Oh, he was a great fit. I had him too, and I'm actually looking him up mint on card right now because for some reason I'm just checking to see what the cost is on some of these right now, and I really shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> Get away from um, why. But I like how the card back uh, actually says, fill with water, mutagen, mutant floating guts. Yes. So it is actually advertising the fact that you can make his guts float. Well, and yeah, and he had the little pieces that floated around inside, but I loved this figure so much that this is what sold me on the fact that I had to have Super 7's new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle figures. When Super 7 put Mutagen Man into the second wave, that mm-hmm. was it for me. I, I have to have it. I have to. That pushed you over the edge now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was it. Because I, 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 wanted, I wanted them, but Super 7 stuff is a little pricey, and mm-hmm. committing myself to a new line is not something I necessarily want to do these days. But man, as soon as they showed that mutagen man, I was like, "It's a modern. I, I I have to. I'm done." And I just ordered both waves because that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> oh, Super Seven makes great stuff, but I gotta I gotta stay away from them. <laughs> oh yeah, it's dangerous, man. If I if I could put some kind of uh, block on them on the internet to where I just didn't see anything from them anymore. Uh, well, I wouldn't do it, but I wish I could. It, it took every ounce of my being to not go all in on Super 7 or Mattel doing the Masters of the Universe. And then I look at some of those figures I passed up on, and I'm like, oof, all right, well, that would have paid for itself ten times over. Oh, dude, I'm already just with... Because I, I bought a couple of the gimmicky Super 7 Masters figures. Like, I got the one glow-in-the-dark He-Man... Um, I got He-Man and Skeletor in the Japanese boxes, uh, mm-hmm. the the vintage style ones, just because they were neat yep. looking. But for mm-hmm. the most part, I avoided all that stuff. But now Mattel is putting out that new Masters Universe Origins line. Oh, dude. yeah, Walmart exclusive, right? Uh, well, I think Walmart's getting it first. I don't think it's Walmart exclusive. They'll just get like the advance on them or whatever. Right, right. Like they'll get them a couple months. It's almost kind of like these Star Wars retro figures that they're getting because they're right now they're exclusive to Walmart, but other retailers are going to get them later, like Entertainment Earth and stuff. So mm-hmm. you'll you'll actually be able to get decent cards if you want those. Uh, oh, nice. But yeah, those Masters of the Universe Origins, man. I'm as soon as I like right now in my head, I'm not going to collect that. But I'm totally going to collect that. Oh, I'm I'm going to have to buy two of them because my son <laughs> is still very much into Masters of the Universe. So that's like with the WWE Masters of the Universe. Usually with like things like the retros, I would buy doubles because I would crack one open, put it in my display, and I would put another one away, mint on card. Well, now that he's into wrestling figures, depending on what wrestling figure it is, sometimes I have to triple dip, which is not easy to do these days. <laughs> oh, no so kidding. So I, I have to kind of sporadically... You know, okay, well, he wants this one, and I want this one, and you know, I've sacrificed a couple of figures, but that Masters line, I'm like, okay, it's wrestling, it's He-Man, I'm going all in on this. So we actually have three of each, because he's got one, I've got one, and then we have one to put away. And if the value of the retro line at this point is any indication, hopefully the Masters will gain a little bit of steam in the years to come, too, and there'll be a solid investment. I think so. I, I really do think so. The, the That Masters of WWE... Uh, I think within a few years that's going to be very, very desired by by wrestling fans and by Masters fans. Exactly, um, yeah, it's hitting two different collectors' markets. So, 
Yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat with Marvel Legends because my son is collecting those. So now it's it's like, do I want two of these, or do I want to just enjoy the fact that I bought one and give it to him? Like it's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's it's funny when they get into the same stuff you're into. All right, Did we got to move on. Oh, go ahead. Area? Did you find the Red Hulk in your area? I got one for him. Uh, I have not. I, I don't. I'm. Not, I don't think I'm going to get one for me. But I've seen him a couple of times now. I, I found him once and got him, and then I had ordered one for Zach, and the order got canceled. And they oh. said that they didn't actually have it in the store. Oh, I didn't know you were still looking. If you're still looking, I'll keep an eye out because I've seen him a couple of times now. Oh, nice. Yeah, let me know. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we got to move on. What is uh, your next pick? All right, so this one was a favorite of mine because of the family business that I mentioned and also because he looked just like a crazed horror movie villain straight out of the 80s. I am talking about Pizza Face, who came with a cleaver and what was supposed to be a shield but really looked like a bloody mass of body parts (laughs) or limbs if you look at it. It, it looked like a, it almost looked like a blood spatter diorama in his package, but it was actually supposed to be his shield. So I'm guessing maybe it was the pizza sauce that was splattered upon him or whatever reason. But uh, he just looks like a sadistic serial killer in a kid's toy line. And I just thought it was hysterical. It just reminded me of, like I said, some type of crazed horror movie villain. And, of course, he was in my collection because everybody thought, ha-ha, we'll get this for Chris because we yeah. own a pizza place. Well, and he's great because they really went all in on functionality with this guy because he comes with those two pizzas that he can throw, and that right hand is actually sculpted to hold them. Mm -hmm. So he can throw them like discs, or I don't know what you would actually throw at that angle. Normally, you'd think of the way Captain America throws his shield. That's not the way Pizza Face is throwing his pizzas. Uh, But you're right, that shield looks like something out of, like, a Herschel Gordon Lewis movie, but it's <laughs> it's what a pizza box with a grenade on it and pizza leaking out the sides, I guess, and like knives and stuff. I don't I don't know what's going on here. Yeah, and his leg is a pizza cutter, so he, it's like he's got the leg is like stuck inside more pizza, and what? then he's got the cleaver. He's just he looks like a madman. And you could switch the cleaver and the pizza box on his leg too. Yes. So yep, so he was almost one of those like customizable type of figures. Yeah, lots of play value on this guy. Yeah, he's great. I, I loved him. I loved him. All right, let's see here. Oh, okay. So my next pick is a figure that I actually still have. I don't own a lot of the figures that I had when I was a kid because when I moved out of my parents' house, everything got stuck up in the attic, and I just didn't feel like I wanted to go after it I had nowhere to put it there was just there were all kinds of factors to why I didn't keep up with that stuff and why over the years uh I I just wasn't able to keep it but I always kept my fugitoid figure oh yes fugitoid was great at fugitoid he's this great gold and black color scheme uh absolutely the toy is is supposed to be a little reminiscent of c-3po i think but then he's got that fold down chest that you can plug that gun into uh he's got all kinds of little pegs and everything where you can store his weapons and accessories he's just got you know fugitoid in the comics was very plain uh if you look at this figure and take off basically all of the details that's what he looked like so 
Playmates, the designers at Playmates, got a hold of this concept and said, well, we want to make this guy look more like a toy, and they did, and it's very successful to the point where usually if something deviates too far from its source material, that irritates me. But in this case, I think this toy is far superior to the original character design. And that's nothing against the original character design because it was a couple of guys drawing comics. Like, they don't want to draw all these little nodules and, and consoles and everything going on here. And the point of Fugitoid was to be sort of a retro-futuristic design. But for the intents of this figure, they went all in and made the coolest-looking Fugitoid they could make. And I'm going to spill a little geek here that when I had Fugitoid and was playing with my figures, I mentioned how I would kind of do crossovers with my Masters of the Universe. And you being a fan of the Masters, you'll probably get the reference. But Fugitoid always struck me by having a very similar color scheme to Blast Attack from Masters line. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I would always use Fugitoid and Blast Attack. Like, they had some type of relationship, whatever I had created in my head. But it was like Blast Attack was like the evil robot from there, and Fugitoid was the good one. So anytime I had like the Ninja Turtles He-Man crossover with some of the figures, it was always Fugitoid versus Blast Attack because they were like arch rivals from whatever type of backstory I had created. Oh, that's perfect. I love that. Yeah, and there were, you know, we we got lucky in that there were a few of these five-inch scale lines that all kind of worked together. Uh, aesthetically and size-wise that that were the weird out-there stuff that were just fun. Yeah, this guy was one of my favorites. All right, what is your next pick? So this one is one of the more uh, normal characters uh, as much as a teenager from the future could be, but uh, the figure was just a very product of its time it was a very 90s looking figure with the color scheme and and the hairstyle and everything and uh, ironically it is a figure that shares a name with my son and with my uh, pop culture uh, tv show idol but i'm talking about uh, zach the neutrino oh wow okay we're getting into neutrinos territory go ahead yeah i just uh the neutrinos i would not say that i was like an uber fan of the neutrinos or anything but i always thought that zach the neutrino was just a cool looking figure like he was a standout without being one of those more outlandish type of figures like he was very simplistic but much like casey jones i just think that the color scheme used and the deco on him i think that he was just a standout and it was just very eye-catching and that's why i added him to my collection well, and I'm I'm trying to look now. He's towards the latter part of the line, like not the end of the line, but a little further in. But if I remember correctly, those he was part of the tuned up line where they had an almost metallic paint job, not like not like uh, vac metal or anything, but they had a, a sort of uh, that glittery metallic look paint job. Yeah, it was like. Um... Glossy is not the word that I'm looking for, but like it shined a little bit more. And he was he was blue and uh, blue and red, blue and yellow, uh, purple hair, just very loud primary colors. Very you know very 90s, like you know very bright, very exuberant colors. Yeah, yeah, that's and they were. You're right. I uh, as far as the cartoon went, uh, not a fan of the neutrinos, but their design was very, very cool and definitely, like, very 90s. Like, you couldn't find more 90s-looking to, uh, toys than these guys. 
Andy had a hoverboard. So if you look back to the future, he had a hoverboard. Of course. Uh, all right. So I am going to move on to my penultimate pick. And it's, again, uh, really more of a basic one from a little earlier on. But the character was so important to me because of the comics. And that was the Triceraton. Okay. We are, with with the Triceratons, you're mixing dinosaurs, which are still huge at that point. Uh, we're getting pretty close to Jurassic Park being a thing, but I mean, when you're a kid, dinosaurs are awesome, and that's just a fact. And by the time the Triceraton figure came out, I had read the comics and knew that the Triceratons were an important part of the comics, and I ended up getting several Triceraton figures. I think I had four. And yeah, because in the comics, they're a race uh, and there are a lot of them. And there's one Triceraton that goes insane and kind of becomes a companion of the turtles. And then the rest of them are just sort of this, this, these soldiers. Uh, So I had four that I painted to look different. Uh, One of them I put, I actually made an eye patch for him because the one that goes insane uh, loses an eye at one point. So I made, out of masking tape, I made an eye patch and painted it black and put him up, put it on him uh, and then painted him up in different colors so it would be four different Triceraton characters because I love these characters in the comic. They were this sort of militaristic society that the Turtles had to deal with at one point when they were hopping through different dimensions. Uh, And the figure itself, while very different from what they looked like in the comics, uh, it's a great figure with lots of detail. It's big, it's thick, uh, just... It's one of my favorite figures. Anything where you take a dinosaur and give it some kind of uh, personality and make it into a character, I'm going to be a fan of that. I'm going to dig that. It is a great-looking figure. I did not have this one. Uh, I'm looking at him now. And yeah, and he definitely looks like he's bulkier than some of like the other figures. Like he, like They made him more massive to, you know, to get that point across that he was a dinosaur. Yeah, he could have, it would have been great if he was a little taller, but I mean, that's not what we're dealing with with the Ninja Turtle line, so that's okay. But they did give him that thickness and that heft that made him look just bigger and more menacing. Uh, all right, let's see. Are we are we down to your final pick? I'm at my last one. Okay. Then... I'm at my last one. You've mentioned this one, so I'm hoping that I'm not stealing your last pick here. Well, I, I don't think so, because my last pick is, it, well, before we get to our final picks... We have to take a little segue and discuss uh, one figure that is so weird, so outlandish, so beyond the pale that it deserves to be mentioned. And uh, if if you would like to go first, do you have your selection for, I guess, weirdest Ninja Turtle figure Oh, I definitely have my selection. It is the April O'Neil that, for some reason, is dressed like a hooker. <laughs> there is an April O'Neil variant, uh, April the Ravishing Reporter. <laughs> yes. And I remember this figure from my youth, and I could not think of what the variation of it was, so I, I looked it up just to get the actual name of it. And it's April the Ravishing Reporter, 
but she has like a black leather bustier on and her jacket yeah. open. Like April looks like a lady of the night. It's it's rough. so if you're if you're going the comic route with your Ninja Turtles collection and you buy like two or three of these, you are all good for the sleazy New York City streets. Like you are you are in prime condition. Well, she and even has rooted like, hair. Well, I was just going to say that it looks like this is sharing the body. So. I'm going to dive into uh, geek Chris show love status for a second. Uh, in 1992, there was a teen soap opera called Swan's Crossing, which was uh, the vehicle that propelled Sarah Michelle Geller into notoriety. And it was on daily. And Playmates had a deal with this show to produce a toy line. Oh. So there is a very short-lived toy line for a very short-lived TV show and it was Ninja Turtle-sized action figures from Playmates, and all the girls had rooted hair. So I think this April O'Neil is utilizing one of the Swans Crossing bodies, and for some reason they just decided to turn her into a Lady of the Night. Wow! That's amazing. And, that you know, I'm glad you brought that up, because that really this 5-inch scale was the Playmates size, because their Star Trek line was the same scale as well. Yep, and Playmates did the Toxic Crusaders, correct? Right, that's correct. I yep. think I think the Wildcats were the first ones where they moved up to a, a bigger 6-inch scale. All right, I'm going to throw my weird figure out there, and uh, you're not going to believe this, but mine is also an April O'Neil. Uh-oh. April, the Ninja Newscaster. This one, oh, wait a minute. I don't remember this one. She is literally, if you're on the page with April the Ravishing Reporter, she is the entry prior. Like, if you scroll up, she's right there. Okay. Oh, wait, I do remember this one. Okay. She's like a queen of the jungle or a lady wrestler. Makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> she's a ninja newscaster, but she's wearing like a leopard print bodysuit, almost like Wendy Richter style. She's got a headband, she's got turtle knee pads, she's got ninja boots on. Uh, just completely bonkers. Yeah. yeah. And then she has, it looks like a video camera but with like a, a ninja sword handle. It's It's the craziest thing. And she has one, so she comes with five accessories she has one hand posed to hold an accessory. The other hand is in the <laughs> traditional woman slapping pose. This figure is just bonkers. It's so weird. I when you said it, I didn't know like the the subtitle of it, but now I remember this. And yeah, this is definitely it's it's because <laughs> nobody would look at this and think ninja. They would think cave woman, which by the way is an entirely different April O'Neil figure. I do remember they did like, like cave, there was like a whole caveman line. Yes, there was like a couple of different like, caveman turtles. Yes, I do remember dinosaurs and everything. All right, well that's it's funny that both of our weird picks were April, but uh, now we got to move you. on. It is time to wrap this thing up, and our final picks for uh, the top ten best Ninja Turtle action figures. What is your last pick, sir? Uh, we mentioned him earlier, and for all the reasons why we talked about him earlier are the reasons why I chose him as my favorite, because 
just a great design. Uh, it appealed to me on levels beyond the Ninja Turtles. I am talking about Muckman with his buddy Joe Eyeball. Yes. Excellent. Just a great looking figure. Um, it reminded me very much of the Toxic Avenger slash Toxic Crusaders. I was always a big trauma fan growing up. So any guy who was made out of mutagen and garbage just brought <laughs> those memories flooding back. And he was the perfect crossover figure if you were mixing in your Toxic Crusaders with your Ninja Turtles. Well, and again, he had that sort of extra play value because that trash can on his back, he could either carry his little buddy around in it or, which, by the way, I also painted Joe Eyeball. He had, uh, I think, yellow eyeballs with little black pupils. I painted his teeth sort of an off-white. Um, and I might even still have him somewhere. But that garbage can on his back could carry Joe Eyeball, or you could fill it with mutagen, which would then ooze out of his chest. Yes, he had that hole like he had been shot in the stomach. Yes. Yeah, he's he's beautiful, and the colors are so nice because he's. I think he was a garbage man that fell into some mutagen or something like that. So he's got his bright orange suit on, and I love this detail. It's so ridiculous. He's got a clothespin on his nose because he can't stand his own smell. I remember when I was a kid, I thought it was a banana peel at first. Like I didn't understand what it was. But his whole body too. Like if you look at the design of the body, like he's got like a worm on an arm. Um, he's he, like he's literally made of junk and grossness and trash. Yeah, he's he's almost like a human Madball. And Madballs are great, and I know that you love Madballs. He's got. I'm looking at his fingers right now. He's got skeleton fingers. Like he's he's he, he's almost like Emil from RoboCop. <laughs> he's great, and, and his disgusting. face. Is his face is very like like around like the mouth and stuff. It's almost like black lagoonish. It's almost like they're giving him like gills of some kind. Oh, and you know what? I'm just now remembering this as I'm looking at this figure. His hat comes off. His hat, which does have a banana peel on it, comes off, and you could put mutagen in there also, and it would come out of his mouth. Yes, I totally yes, forgot. I remember that. that. I forgot all about that too until you just said that. Oh, what a great, amazing, fantastic figure. And and one, if I had to sit down and, and buy 10 of these off of eBay, he would be one of them for sure. Oh, he's great. And I, I do want to give an honorable mention to Murdude, who was the mutant mermaid man. Oh, yeah, who, yeah. Uh, I mentioned this uh, as we were uh, talking about this earlier when we were just kind of like briefing everything. But take a look at Murdude and tell me that the face design of Murdude does not give you uh, flashbacks to the movie Neon Maniacs. <laughs> oh my gosh well you know it's funny we actually have a murdude upstairs because my wife is huge into mermaids or mer mer whatever and we were in one of those sort of like antique stores that are different booths with different people selling things and there was a murdude yep. just sitting in one of them like it wasn't even a toy booth he was just there so i got her a murdude just just because that's awesome. Yeah, so we've got him upstairs. And uh, so our final figure, in keeping with aquatic-themed things, because that's another one of my sort of niche figure things that I love, uh, my final pick is Ray Filet. Ray F yes, I had Ray Filet. He's great. He's the manta ray mutant humanoid guy. He comes with his little buddy fish sticks. Um, and... There were six different versions of this guy 
the V on his chest was different, different colors, colors right? and it also changed color when you put it in hot or cold water. Yep. So, I remember that. Was it was that the first edition that did that? Uh, or was you know, it like one of the variants that did that? I can't I, remember that I'm much. I'm trying to remember if they all did it but were all different colors or if there was only one of them that did it. I had the one that had the purple V on his chest and that one changed colors. Um, I'm trying to think if I had purple or red. Yeah, and I, I don't know if they all did or if they took that feature out later on, but he's such a great design. He's bulky and thick. Uh, that face looks like something straight out of like Earthworm Jim, which, by the way, another great line from Playmates. Uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me. Oh, gosh, what's his name? Doug Tennaple, I think, is the guy that created Earthworm Jim. Wouldn't surprise me a bit if he had something to do with this line. I'm going to have to look into that. Uh, but he's briefly he's, also another aquatic themed figure that's wearing flippers. Yes, yes, absolutely. Got the flippers on, and and if I'm remembering right, I had like a little aquatic force that was Ray Fillet, Michelangelo in his body glove suit with the flippers on, and maybe a couple other people. I don't, th- I never had a mer dude when I was a kid. Um, but I mean, that was always a big thing for me. As a matter of fact, I recently slightly off topic i recently purchased the entire wave of wwf stomp series 2 meant on card because it's aquatic themed yes and that was like the first uh that was the first short here at owen hart right yes yes it was um and unfortunately i need to get another rock or excuse me rocky my via uh because (laughs) when mine arrived his head fell off like I didn't open them. He's still. These are all still mint on card. But when I unpacked Rock, I was sitting looking at him, and his head just fell off in the in just the rolled right off. Right. So I need I need another one of those. But other than that, yes, I have an entire set of those mint on card just because they're aquatic themed toys. That is awesome. Yeah, Rayfile is a great figure. I had Rayfile. He was definitely part of my Ninja Turtles force back in the day. Yeah, I'm looking at him now. What a just what an over the that over the top grin. Oh yeah. Uh, you, you are sending me down. I'm going to be up till midnight just browsing eBay tonight, <laughs> and I know I can't be. Right, right, exactly. Though it's 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 terrible, man. Well, uh, I, that pretty much wraps up uh, our talk about Ninja Turtles, and we've left it open because I wanted to I wanted to cover our favorites because this way at some point we can come back and talk a little bit more about the line in general. We can talk about maybe some of the characters we didn't get to. So there's another episode, like, the potential out there when we want to revisit this later on. This one I just kind of wanted to to talk about the line and some of our favorites. Lay the groundwork for it all. Absolutely. Uh, Well, Chris, thank you so much for coming on and talking Ninja Turtles. Uh, Where can we find you online? What are you up to? All right. So if you are listening to this and you are a collector of any, kind, but especially for DC Comics, KISS, The Three Stooges, Professional Wrestling, and a whole lot more, please check out figurestoycompany.com. That is where I work. I am the Chief Marketing Officer of Figures Toy Company. We specialize in retro-style, a.k.a. Mego-style action figures for DC Comics, KISS, The Three Stooges, The Monkeys, the cast of characters from Hanna-Barbera like Scooby-Doo, Blue Falcon, Dino Mutt, The Galaxy Trio, and more. 
We are also the officially licensed makers of Ring of Honor Pro Wrestling action figures, the Legends of Professional Wrestling action figures, and the Rising Stars of Wrestling. So if you want to look up any of that stuff, we have a big shipment coming in in June, which features new additions to the Super Friends line. We have Darkseed coming in, Kalabak, Desaad, the Parademon, a Lex Luthor as Green Lantern variant. Giganta will be in stock soon. We are expecting a Jim Cornette variant for our wrestling figures. Oh. Flip Gordon from the Stars line. Just a whole lot of stuff coming in in June. Uh, check out figurestoycompany.com, wrestlingsuperstore.com. It's at figurestoyco and at W-R-E-S underscore superstore on Twitter. Just look up the company name on Facebook and Instagram, Figures Toy Company and Wrestling Superstore. And if you'd like to follow me personally over on Twitter for all things FTC-related, some pop culture randomness, and just a good old chat about whatever type of collections you fancy, I am at Zach Malibu. Well, and also to keep up with your uh, your action movie, I guess, retro reviews? Oh, yeah, if uh, that's true. If you'd like to uh, go up to BulletproofAction.com, uh, Bulletproof Action focuses on action movies from the past and present. Uh, I have a monthly column, No Surrender Cinema, where I cover anything from the latest Netflix releases like Extraction to movies from back in the day like Maniac, Cop, and The Wraith. So if you're into B-movies, if you're into new movies, I've got pretty much everything covered. Uh, the latest edition will be up in just a couple of days, and that is going to focus on the 2006 crime thriller starring Paul Walker, Running Scared. Awesome. Well, Chris, thank you so much, and uh, we'll be talking to you again soon because we are going to have to discuss 1990. And we will be doing that for quite a while because the 90s had a lot to talk about. <laughs> yeah, they really did. I, I, we're we're going to look into 1990 and beyond as as the years go on. I am looking forward to it. Awesome. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Okay, so you guys may not have realized the YouTube talk and the intro was, was serious. Because that was just intro talk, right? But this right here, this is outro talk. This is where things get real. So for real, go subscribe to the Needless Things YouTube channel. Join the Needless Things podcast Facebook group and share this stuff with the world. And if you didn't enjoy this episode, which is inconceivable to me, go find another one. Because there are 318 other episodes. That's over a thousand hours. I don't think it's over a thousand hours, but it's a lot because uh, we don't do a whole lot of hour episodes, if you know what I'm saying. Um, lots and lots and lots of hours of Needless Things podcast. There's at least one out there for everybody. We've talked about, we have talked about and to all kinds of different pop culture things. I have interviewed everybody from Tim Clark who worked on the Dark Crystal and worked with the Muppets for years, to William Stout, to Larry Hama, to to Missy Suicide, who started the Suicide Girls website. There's an episode with her. I interviewed her. I, there's it's, it's crazy, you guys. It's crazy. Adam Warrock, Calabrese, like Sexoflex, all kinds of stuff out there that you don't even know about because you've only been listening for... For a little while here, because this popped up in your YouTube feed, and you, you heard the audio, or maybe you're listening to Spotify. I don't know. It's everywhere now. But share it. 
do me a favor and share an episode or share a video. I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things Podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vicks employee. Love you. Mean it. Uh Uh-huh.